0: Welcome to Volunteer Plane Talk Podcasts, the podcast for today's leaders of volunteers. Your host is me, Meridian Swift. Hey, welcome back to the Volunteer Plain Talk podcast. This is part two of the conversation that I had with Wes Richardson. Part one dropped a little while ago. And what we're going to do here is we're going to pick up where we left off. We were talking about difficult conversations.
1: Like I avoid tense conversations. <laughs> Um, just as much as I can, I'm not a person who likes to be in those situations, but whenever there is, you know, the need for that, I I am one of those, um, compliment sandwich types. (laughs) 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 I, I will, I will go in with something nice or something up lifting then just try to try to get into into the tense part of things and then say but the silver lining to this is or but here's but following here's some great news uh so i i I am one of those those sandwich individuals whenever it comes to, to to having difficult conversations
0: i always felt like this giant weight was lifted because sitting there thinking
1: about it was infinitely worse. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's And it's never as bad as you build it up in your head that it's going to be.
0: That's true. I had so many volunteers who were like, relieved, thank goodness, because I'm thinking the same thing. And I'm
1: like, gee, why didn't I talk to you earlier? Exactly. And you, and you almost, even, even though you're the one who is dreading going into this, their response will just completely lift you up out of that dread.
0: <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "Thank goodness cuz I didn't want to come back anymore either." <laughs>
1: and then you you can say to them, "You've
0: made me feel so much better." Okay, I'm going to ask you this question and you could just punt on it all you want. What was the hardest thing you've had to do?
1: I don't know, this may be a surprising answer and not one that folks expect or maybe maybe they do expect it, but it would be having to attend the funeral of a volunteer. Oh, and I'm sure a lot of folks were probably thinking I was going to say something that was related to their actual their volunteerism, their their duties, or, or certain things like that, or something something tense or difficult. Especially in, I think in most volunteer fields, we do get a lot of senior age folks who are giving of their their time and energy, super dedicated folks who, no matter the age, could just put us all to shame with their dedication and their work ethic. In my first volunteer leadership role, which was down in Florida, which was just about two years and three volunteer funerals, the first time, you know, the first time around, it was, I I guess, the most, they're all going to be impactful, but the first one was just, it did kind of overwhelm me because I had built these relationships it was almost this wonderful experience uh, of having like lots of extra grandmas and grandpas these are folks that i'm seeing you know on a weekly basis i'm a huge believer in rounding on volunteers so i'm any opportunity anytime that they're there i'm going to take the opportunity to see them and have a chat so you of course you, you know you build these relationships you know with the age of of some of those volunteers, that's, it just, I hate to say comes with the territory, but it, it comes mm-hmm. with the territory sometimes. So uh, that I would definitely say was one of the areas that was kind of always, always difficult. And I've had some of the same experiences, you know, here in my position in, in Tennessee, you know, we've um, had folks who have passed away through the pandemic it's always a difficult time when you have to, orga, you know, organize flowers to send to a volunteer's funeral, but it, I guess, it just does come with the territory.
0: And Wes talking about, you know, volunteer funerals and talking about getting close to volunteers and, and starting to look at them as, you know, friends and family, and we can't help but do that. We have a professional relationship with them. But none of us are going to fool ourselves and say we're, we're not going to become close to our volunteers, especially when the nature of what we do is engaging them so intently that we get to know them so well. So, we, we, you know, that line is very blurry for us. I do want to ask you about your system and volunteer management and diversity. It is a very, it's a subject that's really out in the forefront right now. How are you dealing with being a more diverse organization, being a more diverse volunteer department?
1: So I will say that we are very lucky and fortunate in this area our main medical center which is where I'm speaking to you from today is actually a teaching hospital and we have a lot of uh, wonderful relationships with the local university so it does bring in a good you know amount of diversity among our our staff our students residents everything what have you and I am always welcoming of diversity within our volunteer group and not just diversity, you know, among races, ethnicities, uh, diversity among ages and any type of background, because I feel like any opportunity that we have to... um, Learn something from from someone, you know, whether it's someone's um, job background that lends perfectly to a volunteer role, someone's uh, life background that lends perfectly to a volunteer role, and you know their their different experiences. I think it can always, always the diversity can always be. I'm I'm always someone who's going to to welcome it, and I find it beneficial. It bridges gaps. And there's always something that we can connect with other individuals in our gift shop at one of our our senior age volunteers who worked a couple of morning shifts in our uh, main gift shop here in the medical center. We had this uh, young student who was just coming in needing a hundred and something hours of volunteer service, and so we placed her along with this volunteer in the gift shop. You would have thought after just you know a couple of shifts together that they had been lifelong friends somehow mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this this young student and this this senior age volunteer. Made this you know instant connection and developed this wonderful friendship. I want to say they probably they even you know had lunch together like outside of their their working hours and still probably to this day have stayed connected and checking in on one another. and I can't imagine the amount of uh, stories <laughs> that have been told and the amount of information that has been shared between the the two of them right now a new volunteer that we you know have in our gift shop is actually a refugee from Ukraine who is staying with family locally so that has been just a wonderful experience to get uh, a different perspective there and and really just, again, just bridge those gaps. I'm going
0: to throw this in here. I volunteer for the Engaged Journal, which is a journal for leaders of volunteers. And the most recent article that came out in the journal is about third places. What you were talking about, I've always seen that. And I never had a word to put to it, except people get along, you know, if you, you put them together. And this article is is something about third places. And what a third place is, is a place like a barbershop or a hair salon or maybe your local bar or your local VFW or whatever. And a third place is where people from all kinds of varied backgrounds come together and they don't have the restraints that are normally placed on them societally by work, because there's a hierarchy in work, and by family, because of the hierarchy in family. So when you get a group of volunteers together, they come from diverse cultures, diverse religions, diverse age groups, diverse um, races and creeds, and and all of that. And they're placed together. You see that third place at work, where people learn from each other. They realize they're you know have so much in common. They care about each other. And I've never really had a word for it but now I do so I would highly recommend sorry to put in the plug but I would highly rep- recommend reading this article about third places and it sounds like you have that at your organization a third place where people don't have the hierarchy that holds them back but can just mingle with one another and create their own community of people who care about one another
1: to put it very basically I'm a human being. You're a human being. There we go. (laughs) And let's, let's just, let's learn and let's experience and let's work together.
0: Yeah. And, and when they volunteer, just in my opinion, when people come to volunteer, you know, there, there's not that one volunteer looks at another, like, you know, what are you doing here? I know what you're doing here. The same thing I'm doing here, which is I want to do something meaningful. I want to have to do something that impacts the world in a positive way. And so that just immediately opens up the I want to get to know you and I think I could
1: like you kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's always an opportunity to get a different perspective, uh, make a friend and just just have this have this wonderful combined good effort you know toward the mission of you know whatever organization you might be in
0: so that brings us west to where do you from what you've seen all these changes all these rebuilding all these kind of things that you've had to deal with where do you see volunteerism and volunteer management headed are there are there like road signs that you're seeing going up like more technology more flexibility more this or that or less volunteers uh, you know uh, what do you think what do you think the future is going to hold for us
1: well as far as I think uh, well I guess this touches a little bit on volunteerism and the management side of things I definitely think what we've seen over the past couple of years has probably given an impetus to a lot of us to look at ways to use technology to our advantage and whether that's seeing what volunteers are able to possibly do for us in the comforts of their own home, you know, something technology-based, data entry or or some other type of thing uh, like that, to re-examining our own uh, processes as far as orientations, onboarding, ways that we can make things more streamlined, just really to examine every bit of volunteer journey and see where we can kind of make the process a little bit smoother.
0: You're absolutely right. And and not only that, but the more that you can put some of that, not all of it, obviously, but some of the stuff into a digitized version, the more that's going to free you up to be more creative, to be more person on person. That's not a bad thing
1: at all. Oh, not at all. And I've always been a person to uh, to kind of ha- you know live by the mantra clear desk, clear mind. I can't say that my desk is always clear hundred percent of the time. But if I know that what I need is, is stored away in some, uh, digital fashion and is easily accessible, then I think that just, you know, as a volunteer manager, really, really, I, I don't know about anybody else, but it puts me in an extra productive, man are knowing things are where they need to be that they're you know heavily organized and easily findable
0: the more time you spend sifting through chaos and the more exhausted you become and the less brain power you have in order to go one step further which is i think what all volunteer managers really want to do and after covid i think the opportunity does exist. It's tough. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, not downplaying anything, but the opportunity does exist for us to move forward. And so the more we can get rid of very mundane tasks.
1: Absolutely. Use use your tools to your advantage.
0: And there you go. Tools to your advantage. I like that. So, Wes, in the future, in a perfect world, what would you like to see happen in the volunteer management sector or, or, and, or what would you like to see go away? Oh, goodness.
1: Mm. I'm going to give this a a moment of, uh, I know
0: you're probably uh, tired at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hitting you with it. Like, what else do you want?
1: My morning coffee is worn off. Um, (laughs) Well, one thing that I would, love to see and i'm sure i'm speaking for a lot of folks at a lot of varying sizes of uh, organizations uh, with this one but and, and maybe this is this is beating a dead horse but i would love for volunteer management to have a bigger seat at the table everywhere because i you know there's there are so many times when we feel that we don't Do not have that seat, whether even if we're in the if if we're in the room, (laughs) you know, know, that can stem from so many so many different things. Uh, You know, folks not really understanding what it is that we do, understanding what it is that volunteers accomplish. But in in a perfect world in the future, I would I would love for us to have an equal, equal seat at the table
0: here here i agree and i think yes you speak for probably 90% of volunteer managers put us at the table there's solutions in volunteerism there's uh, you know a diverse uh, crowd of, of voices there's enormous amounts of talents that guess what you don't have to go and pay a consultant we have people who have been in the business world for 30 years. We have people who are CEOs. We have people who are have law degree. I mean, we've got folks that you can tap into. So, yeah, put us at the table.
1: Yes, and that's not to say that we don't all have our, our champions. I have you know here just here in this current position i have so many wonderful ones whether they're department leaders or administrators um that are our wonderful champions wonderful voices for volunteers so uh don't get me wrong when i say that that i'm like, i'm unsupported at which mm-hmm. i am not at all but i think that's just kind of a general a general feeling that probably a lot of volunteer leaders do do you have that seat? Maybe we do have the seat, but maybe it's just not as big of a seat as we want, right?
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good way to put it. No, I like that. There's a seat, but we need to in, increase the you know perception of what volunteers uh, are capable of of providing. Is there anything that you well? That's what you want to see. Anything you want to see go away?
1: Go away.
0: That's kind of a weird question, I know. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, as far as something that I wish would go away, it's a pretty simplistic answer. One of the first things that comes to mind <laughs> is masks. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because there there are it's it's really it's really, really strange sometimes if somebody, you know, you see that they pull down their mask a little bit to to take a sip of a drink or, or something like that. It's like, Who are you? Um <laughs> And a lot of a lot of my volunteers that have onboarded in the pandemic, I don't really know what they look like without a mask.
0: Oh wow.
1: <laughs> so that that that's it, it seems like a pretty simple answer, but I would just I would love for those to vote.
0: Oh yeah. I, I agree. And I think most of us would yeah, yeah. You have to go up to somebody and say, Would you put your hand up over your face? Oh yeah, no, I recognize you. <laughs> This has been great. Wes, do you have any just random uh, thoughts you want to leave with folks who are listening? Any?
1: Absolutely. And this is actually something that I was kind of a, a latecomer to. But since finding your podcast and uh, listening to almost every episode uh, so far and joining some different Facebook groups and different things like that, in our field, we just always need to remember that we're not alone, but a lot of folks are having the same exact problems that we are. Yeah. Anyone listening to this, if they're a healthcare volunteer manager, we're having the exact same problem. If you're a volunteer manager in another type of sector, we're having probably not exactly the same problems, but pretty darn close <laughs> problems. Mm-hmm. And probably also a lot of the same uh, successes, you know, to go along to go along with that. Early in my volunteer management career, I was I was one of those folks who was always thinking that these problems are just problems that I'm having right here, solely me in my office, in my facility where wherever I was these are these are problems that are just exclusive to me, but picking up the the podcast, joining um, certain Facebook groups. There are groups out there designed for volunteer managers in different areas. There are, I'm sure, other ways that folks like us uh, can collaborate and discuss things. I think that's, that's why I appreciate the podcast so much is because I, I hear so many, you know, folks that are you know, literally speaking my language and they're, they're sharing these things and, Oh, that's happened to me. I, I don't know why I felt, felt so alone when I was going through going through that, that certain problem or that issue that I was having. And these folks are thinking along the same lines and they're sharing these ideas to help make things better. That is really, really one, one key thing that I would say, and whether that's someone who's just starting out in volunteer management or or someone who's you know been in it for a while. I'm sure we can always just take solace in the fact that we are not alone uh, in what we're doing.
0: Brilliantly said. You you are so correct. I know when I would go to conferences and stuff like that, the the one thing that I, I thirsted for was just hanging out and peer grouping with other volunteer managers because you're right. We have this. We have similar, if not exactly the same challenges, similar experiences, and and the idea that you are not alone. And and we're a very giving community. We help one another. Yeah, reach out, join these groups, join blogs, listen to podcasts, do whatever you need to do to to get your sense of community.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, my friend, I love your journey. Uh, It could have crushed you and it didn't. And so, I hope everyone takes away from this uh, the sense that I do from you, which is it's a great profession and there's so much to it that, you know, lifts you up personally, professionally that you're going to keep going. Really appreciate your being with us today, Wes.
1: Well, I've been more than happy to be um, with you on the podcast today. It's been wonderful and I I hope your listeners have found some uh, good things in, in, in what I've said.
0: I learned a lot from you, so thank you. I always learn. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. And if anyone wants to contact you, is that okay?
1: That's absolutely fine. I'd be more than happy to talk to anyone.
0: Okay. Well, thank wonderful. you. I bet you're tired.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to call it a day now. Good. Yeah, go home. What a, great, what a great way to end it, though. It's been It's been so wonderful. Good. I'm glad.
0: No, you are great. Um, love your story. Love your enthusiasm. And you have that radio personality. Wonderful way with words. I mean, I can hear in your voice. I can hear positivity, which is wonderful.
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to provide that. I sometimes I I don't feel it on the inside, but I always try to exude it on the outside. At least.
0: <laughs> well, it comes through. Trust me. And I think at this point. That's what people are going to really respond to. Like, oh, thank goodness I can hear something positive. Yay.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay, Wes, you take care. Have a great rest of the afternoon and uh, we'll be in touch.
1: All right. Sounds good. Talk soon.
0: Okay. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Volunteer Plane Talk podcast. Big thank you to Alternate Timelines for the use of their music. For more volunteer management talk, or if you just want to reach out to me, please visit my website, volunteerclaimtalk.com, or you can catch me at Meridian Swift on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time, this is Meridian Swift. Me Thank you, and bye-bye.